0: If you're using one of our pew Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, there's these Bibles on the back table there, and it's page 1047. Luke chapter 14, verses 16 to 24. Jesus replied, "'A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests.' At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, "'Come, for everything is now ready.' But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, "'I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me.' Another said, "'I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me.' Still another said, "'I just got married, so I can't come.' The servant came back and reported this to his master." Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. So Carl's going to jump up and preach now on this passage. Um, You'll see a text message number on the screen behind you. So if you've got any questions about the message, then feel free to send a text to that number. We won't be taking questions from the floor afterwards. Um, So if you've got questions, text them through to that number and there'll be some time for Q&A at the end of Carl's message.
1: Well, today is our, uh, our last week looking at the kinds of obstacles and doubts that people have which keep them from becoming a uh, Christian or from following Jesus. Uh, this is the last week, next week we'll, we'll be starting a series looking at some of Jesus' claims about himself, who he was. Uh, those claims come from uh, a biography of Jesus written by a man named John. Uh, so if you want to hear more about Jesus, uh, that's a, a good thing to come back to in the weeks ahead but over the last few weeks, we've been looking at these obstacles, these doubts uh, that keep people from becoming a Christian and from following Jesus. We've looked at the objection that maybe God doesn't exist. We've looked at the objection that maybe we don't need Jesus to be a good person, uh, or that maybe there are other ways to God. And today we're looking at the final of the top four obstacles that people listed for why they don't become a Christian, and, and that is because being a Christian would get in the way... ...of the other things in their life. Uh, It was really refreshing, I think, the honesty with which people answered this question. Uh, So to give you an idea of the sorts of things that people said that kind of fitted into this category... uh, ...it was things like, for some people, they're happy as they are... ...and so don't feel that they would get anything out of being a Christian. Uh, For others, they said that meeting up with other Christians on Sunday would kind of interrupt their family time... uh, ...or would get in the way of the kids' sports activities... For some people, maybe uh, they, they like some of the ideas about Christianity, but they don't really want to change their life. Uh, they're pretty happy with how things are going at the moment. Uh, for others, they used to go to church, but life got busy, uh, and they just kind of stopped going somewhere along the way. And for others, still, church is boring, and, and so that just keeps them from following Jesus. I don't know if those are any of the reasons that you have for... Uh, Not being a Christian, you might have others. Uh, But if you're in and around kind of those ideas, what I want to do in the time that we have today is look at what Jesus said about this whole issue. Uh, And if you think that following Jesus would get in the way uh, of your life, I hope that in what we look at this morning, uh, that will at least go some way into convincing you that you're absolutely right. Um, That is, that following Jesus will get in the way of your life. Um. But actually, following Jesus is still the best thing that you can do. Uh, so that's a pretty hard, that's a pretty high bar to set. So I'm going to pray that God would help us to see that, and uh, then we'll get into it. So let's pray, dear Lord and Heavenly Father. Uh, there's so much going on in the world and in our lives, and there's so much good stuff, uh, and all that good stuff comes from you. Uh, but Lord, you want us to love you most. Of all above anything and you want us most of all to know the Lord Jesus Christ and so Lord we pray that as we think about this story that Jesus told this morning we pray that you would help us to see that whatever else there is in life following Jesus is the best thing that we can do or do that we ask it because we can't see it unless you help us to see it. So we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in coming to terms with this question of whether Christianity will get in the way, we're looking at this little story that Jesus told of a man who threw a big party. Uh, The story goes that this man decides to put on a great banquet. He's invited lots of people, and lots of people have said that they're, they're keen to come... But the day of the banquet finally arrives and he sends his servant out to kind of fetch the people who've been invited, to let them know that it's time to to come. But everyone's now got excuses for why they can't actually make it. The first guy that the servant goes to has just bought a field and he says he has to go and check it out and sort of, you know, make sure that it's uh, going okay. Another person has just bought some oxen. Uh, and he wants to give those a a bit of a go, try those out. Another person's just got married, and he wants to spend time with his wife. I don't know if you've ever thrown a party, and it's been like that. You've invited uh, heaps of people, and at first it seems like everyone's keen to come. You go, oh yeah, I'm chucking a party in a couple of weeks' time. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome, that'd be awesome. But then in the 24 hours or something before kind of everything's about to kick off, you get this flood of text messages Hey, sorry, something's come up, Uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it, Uh, you know, sorry about that, maybe another time. Uh, How do you feel when that happens? And what does that say when that happens about how much people care about you? Uh, It says that they care more about their field or their oxen than they care about you. Uh, People use that expression these days, starbo, you know, subject to a better offer. And the key idea in that, isn't it, is better offer. You've invited them. At first, they were keen to come, but something better has come up. Something that they'd rather be doing rather than coming along uh, to whatever it is that you've invited them to But Jesus isn't telling this story because he threw a birthday party and and no one came. Jesus is telling this story as an illustration of how people deal with God. Jesus is comparing salvation to a big party that God is putting on. How is salvation like a big party? Well, it's like a big party, Jesus says, in that lots of people are invited, heaps of people are invited, but heaps of people find all kinds of excuses and reasons not to actually turn up. See, Jesus wants us to realise that when we refuse to give our life to God, we're not saying no to some kind of religious system. We're not saying no to, to church. We're saying no to a person. You're saying no to the God of heaven and earth who made you, who loves you, who created you, who's prepared salvation for you and who has invited you to receive it. And when you say, I can't be bothered to be a Christian, you're saying to Jesus, I don't care about your invitation. I don't care about your invitation to come and to know you. I've got a better offer. When you say, I've got more important things to do than follow Jesus, you're actually saying, I've got better things to do than have a relationship with the God of heaven and earth, the God who made us, the God who made this world, the God who sustains this world, the God who loves this world, who loves you. I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, Jesus, I've got a better offer. When you say, I don't want anything to get in the way of the kid's sport, you're saying to Jesus... To the God of heaven and earth, swimming or soccer or footy is more important than you are. Just like when we invite people and they don't turn up because they find something that they think is better, we find that immensely painful and humiliating. Well, so does God. And it's even worse, I think, when we realise how much effort and cost God has expended to prepare for this party. Think about what it feels like when you you do that. You, you, You put on a party, you invite lots of people, and then they don't turn up. What often happens is that you spend ages, don't you, preparing for people to come. You spend ages preparing the food, you tidy up the house, you put up the marquee in the backyard... You know, you put up a marquee, you think, 80 people are coming. I'm going to put up a marquee for 80 people. And then in the last 24 hours, the messages flood in and you end up with five people <laughs> in a marquee set for 80. And you end up with five people trying to eat the food cooked for 80 people. How do you feel, How do you feel when you do that? When you've invested so much In getting things ready and no one comes it's a huge slap in the face isn't it well now think for a moment about the effort that god has put in in preparing his salvation party he sent his own son the son that he loves he sent him into the misery of our world He sent him to suffer, to be condemned by us, to be executed on a tree in humiliating circumstances. He did that, why? To prepare the way for us to receive his invitation to come to his party. And if it hurts us when people say no, how much will it hurt God when we say, actually, I've got better things to do? That kind of attitude is deeply, deeply painful for us and it is for God as well. And actually the cost that God has put into preparing the party and the importance and the significance of who God is as host begins to explain, I think, why it is that God's invitation trumps every reason for not coming. You see, you have to understand that in this list of excuses, they're not all bad excuses. It's not like the people are coming saying, well, look... You know, I've got to stay home and perm my hair, or something like that. I've got to, i to stay home and do my, you know, kind of do my nails. These people have kind of semi and even legitimate reasons for not turning up. I, I, I've got to feel this is really important for my business. I've got these oxen. You know, if I don't get these, if I don't get these working straight away, we could go under. And I just got married. This is the most important thing in my life. These are not illegitimate reasons. These are actually kind of good reasons. But Jesus says, you know, as good as those reasons are, they're still not good enough because the party that God is inviting you to is even better than that. And the cost that God has paid in getting this party ready is a cost greater than anyone else has ever paid. So when God comes to you with that invitation, he says, I'm putting on a party and I'd love for you to come. Jesus says there's no excuse, there's no reason which could trump that invitation. So Jesus says that this is the picture. God's invited all kinds of people, people, but people come up with all these excuses, reasons not to come, because they think there's this better offer. But then Jesus goes on to show that God doesn't stop there. God doesn't just invite once and then and then kind of give up. He keeps inviting. When the servant comes back to his master with the news that lots of people aren't going to be able to make it... The master sends his servant, he says says to him, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. And so the servant goes out and he does that and he comes back and he says, look, there's still more room. And so the master says again in verse 23, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Go anywhere you can, he's saying. Go anywhere you can and convince them. Do whatever you can to convince them to take up this invitation. Jesus is putting together in this this little story both the wonderful generosity of God and the tragic reluctance of humanity. What picture does Jesus give us of God? Well, Jesus shows God as a God who welcomes people and he welcomes the people that nobody else invites. So when you and I sit down to make a list of the people that we want to invite to our party, we invite our best friends, don't we? Or our family, we might invite perhaps our colleagues, and maybe not all our colleagues, just the ones that we like. And we might even invite those people who we think will return the favor, you know? You invite the person that you know from work who has the really nice house, because you think, well, maybe if I invite them somewhere down the track, they'll invite me. Or you might invite the people who you think will help you to get ahead in life. Maybe you invite the boss in the hope that it will speed up the next promotion. But look at who it is that God invites to to his party. He invites the poor and the lame. He invites the crippled and the blind. They were the people who were despised in that society. Perhaps the reason that you don't come to God it's not really because you can't be bothered or because you think it would get in the way perhaps the real reason is because you don't think that you're welcome well Jesus says that God's invitation stands for you God invites sinners he invites people who were his enemies And he doesn't invite us to come and to stay as sinners and to stay as his enemies. Rather, his invitation in Jesus is that we can come to the party and that in Jesus' life, death and resurrection, he actually makes us fit to be there. He gives us the clothes that we need to be able to be at the party. He makes us guests fit to live in his presence for all eternity. Jesus shows God as a God who welcomes the people that nobody else invites. But Jesus also shows God as a God of persistent invitation. When the servant comes back from that first round of invitations, the master wants to send him out again to the the lame and the crippled. And when he hears that they've already invited all those people, he sends the servant out again. He sends them to yet more unreached places. And he urges them and compels uh, people to come in. God's desire is that people would come to his banquet. God's desire is that people would come to know his salvation in Jesus Christ. And so God persists in inviting people. One day, the, the time for that invitation, that the, the time of inviting people will end. Jesus will return and will Take all God's people to be with him in a world put right and a world made new. We don't know when that day will come. We don't know when Jesus will return. But until that day, God persists in inviting people to come. For some people, they might like to be a Christian. For some people, they might uh, like to be a Christian, but it's just inconvenient. It's inconvenient at the moment. That was the problem for the people in Jesus' story. It wasn't that they said, I don't ever want to come. The problem for these people was, it just wasn't the right time. I'd really like to come to the party, but it's just... It's just today. Any other day, it's just today I I got the field. It's just today I got the oxen. It's just today that I was getting married. Ask me any other day and I'll come. But Jesus says, that's not good enough. The time of God's invitation is now. And we have to take the invitation while it's presented to us. If that's you, if you're hanging out for a, a better time, please don't wait. The time may never come. And one day you'll have to stand before the God of heaven and earth. you have to stand before Jesus himself, the judge of the living and the dead. And you'll have to explain to him why it is that you never received that invitation. Jesus shows us that God is a God who welcomes the outcast and who persists in inviting people to his banquet. But on the flip side, Jesus also shows humanity is desperately slow to receive God's invitation. The master has to send his servants into the lanes, into the faraway places. The servants have to turn over every nook and cranny just to find someone who might be interested in taking up God's invitation. It's extraordinary, isn't it? The servants have to compel people to come in. What an enormous tra- tragedy! It's not that God isn't willing. Some people sometimes we have a picture of God as this great cantankerous man who sits, uh, you know, on his his chair in his living room, grumbling about all the people in the world and and and, and saying, "Well, you're never gonna you're never gonna come into my house." But that's not the picture of this that Jesus gives us here. Jesus gives us a picture of a God who stands with his arms wide open and says, won't you come to know me? Won't you come to receive salvation in Jesus Christ? And a God who doesn't just invite, but who compels. And a God who doesn't just invite and compel, but a God who seeks out. A God who goes into the laneways, into the alleyways, into the far reaches of the world in order to invite and compel people to know him in Jesus Christ. And yet, God has gone to such great lengths and the tragedy of the human condition is that we say, I've got better things to do. It's extraordinary, isn't it? It's not as though God is inviting us to be garbage collectors. He's not inviting us to a party that's being hosted at the local tip. He's not inviting us to a party that we'll get to and there's not enough food to go around. God's inviting us to the greatest banquet that's ever been hosted in the history of the world. Salvation in Jesus Christ. And people say, I've got something better to do. He's inviting us to know him. He's inviting us to receive forgiveness for our sins. He's inviting us to receive the power in Jesus to live a new life for God's glory. He's inviting us to eternity with him. He's inviting us to make a fresh start. He's inviting us to be his children, to be adopted into his loving family. He's inviting us to receive the greatest gift we can ever receive. And people still say, I've got better things to do. If that describes you, then please let me challenge you to think for a moment what it is that you're giving up. You're giving up forgiveness from God for everything you've ever done. You're giving up reconciliation with God. You're giving up life beyond the grave. You're giving up eternity in a world put right by God. Think of all that you're giving up by not receiving Jesus' invitation. Think of that, and now think of what it is that is keeping you from receiving that. What is it that you so desperately want? Is it a Sunday morning sleep-in? Is it kid's sport? Is it kind of a, a certain lifestyle or a level of lifestyle Is it freedom from possible boredom? What is it that you have that you so desperately want to keep that you can't give it up to receive what Jesus is offering? You need to sit down and think that through. Uh, You might sit down and think that through and you might still think to yourself, well, I still prefer what it is that I have to what Jesus is offering. That's your call. But you at least need to sit down and do the calculation. To be clear with yourself and to be clear with God what it is that you prefer to Him. So Jesus says this is God, the God who invites all kinds of people, but people come up with all kinds of excuses. And yet God still persists in inviting, and God invites the kinds of people that we wouldn't invite. But in the last verse, Jesus puts on the table the consequences of not receiving that invitation. We're told in verse 21 that when the servant came back from the first round of invitations, the master was angry. Of course he was. He'd gone to huge lengths to prepare for this banquet. He'd invited people to come, but they rejected him in favor of something else. Then in verse 24, Jesus points out the results of that the consequences he says for i tell you none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet that is those who were invited but who refused to come won't receive the joy of joining in god's salvation they had their invitation and they chose not to take it it's not that god is it's not simply that god is excluding these people These people have excluded themselves. They were invited, but they chose not to come. In other places, Jesus spells out what missing missing out means. It means hell. Uh, It means an eternity separated from God. It means an eternity suffering the just anger of God for having refused his invitation. It's awful. You know, I've, um, I've missed out on parties before in my life. Uh, sometimes it's been because I, just, I haven't been able to go. Uh, and sometimes, like the people in this story, uh, it's, it's because there's something else which I've given a higher priority. Someone's invited me to something, but I've chosen to miss out on that and, and do something else. And sometimes you find out afterwards from all those people who went along just what you missed out on. It was, you know, you find out that actually it was the most epic party that anyone's ever had. It was, everyone just absolutely enjoyed themselves and you, you missed out. And you spend the next couple of weeks thinking to yourself, oh, I'm I'm such an idiot. You know, I chose, I chose to do whatever it was rather than to, to go and enjoy that. You spend ages kind of regretting that poor choice. But what Jesus is presenting us with is missing out on the greatest party of all, God's salvation, God's rescue in Jesus. And Jesus is not talking about spending a few weeks afterwards thinking to ourselves, gosh, I wish I'd taken up that invitation. Jesus is talking about an eternity of ruining a missed chance. An eternity of regret for not having taken up God's invitation in Jesus Christ so here's the question that Jesus is putting before you today will you accept his invitation to his party will you accept the salvation and forgiveness and new life and freedom from sin that he offers in Jesus and it's totally your call It's totally your call not to come. It's totally your call not to be bothered. It's totally your call to reject Jesus' invitation because you reckon church is boring or because you don't want the kids to miss out on soccer. That's totally your call. But I just want you to leave here understanding the implications of that. The implication is that you're refusing Jesus. You're refusing his invitation to eternity with him you're rejecting his invitation to salvation. And if you reject that forever, there's no coming back from that. There's a day when the invitation expires and if you haven't received it, it's too late. But instead of doing that, I want to encourage you, instead of thinking about the obstacles, instead of just thinking about what you're giving up, I want to encourage you to work out who Jesus is. I want to encourage you to think about what you're gaining. I want, you to, I want to encourage you to focus on listening to who Jesus says he is, what he said about himself. You can read through one of the biographies of Jesus' life on the back table. You can come to that Christianity Explored course. You can come back in the weeks to come as we hear Jesus' claims about who he is. I just encourage you, whatever it is, to dig into who Jesus is. And to find out what it is that you're giving up by not taking his invitation. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you're a God who is putting on a big party and saving people from sin and death and judgment into a world put right, a world where we know you perfectly and live for you perfectly, and a world where we can delight in the world that you made as it was intended to be. And thank you, Lord, that you've gone to such great lengths to send out those invitations and to make things ready, that you sent Jesus, your only son, your loved Son, to die, to suffer in our place, to rise again, so that we could just be invited. And Lord, we pray that all of us, we've all heard the invitation. We've all heard it today. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us all to receive it. And Lord, if there's anything in our lives that's keeping us back from taking that up, help us to see that it's nothing. Nothing compared to knowing Christ and being found in Him. Not having a righteousness of our own. A righteousness which comes from doing stuff ourselves. But a righteousness which is through faith in Jesus Christ.